0: Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. I don't believe what I just saw. That's kind of how I view last night, man. Um, Kevin Bowen, Eddie Garrison, back, another edition of Kevin's Corner. That's one for the ages. Uh, 30 for 30 needs to start I think early background information on that game needs to happen. Um, Canton should, you know, have some sort of uh, section of their beautiful campus alluded to this game. I, I um, that was incredible to watch, and the Colts win twelve to nine. The title of my story, Eddie, was "Colts Play Ugly, Win Pretty." I don't even know if that's like the accurate description, but. I woke up this morning off of about three-ish hours of sleep, as I'm sure you did as well, and I felt like I was walking into the scene from The Hangover where they all wake up the next morning in just that fog, and the camera just continues to pan around that hotel room. That's literally how I felt in witnessing that one.
1: Yeah, it was was not fun to listen or to watch, but... It was kind of fun to listen to because with radio you can't see what's happening. So that <laughs> so is at least like your a eyes aren't bleeding. Maybe Correct. your
0: ears are bleeding but your eyes aren't.
1: Correct, yeah. You know, Matt and Rick very good on the radio call, made it sound interesting, even though um frankly it was nothing anything close to that. I did see the clip last night that was circulating on T V of Al Michaels trying to save the game and like make it uh, make it seem like it was an interesting one, mentioning about how Kirk Street wanted none of it. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, Kirk was like, "No, uh, I don't <laughs> think we've reached that point yet."
0: I think what stood out to me about last night—I don't know if I've ever seen NFL fans leaving a yeah. game like that uh, when it's a beautiful night, 9:30 Mountain Time, uh, and it's tied. And I, I consider Denver a pretty passionate fan base. You know, I, I've always felt like that's one of the better road environments in the NFL. Um, Result versus performance. It's something we do every single podcast. And we will continue to harp on that on this one. The result is a win. It's 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. It's a team that needs to find wins outside of the division, away from home, considering how the season has started. Um, and you now will return from your mini-bye week with just a monumental two-game stretch With Jacksonville in your own building and at Tennessee in those games, it goes without saying how critical they will be for AFC South hopes, playoff hopes, et cetera. So that's the result part of it. The performance part. um, Eddie, I feel worse about the Colts at 1044 a.m. on Friday morning than I did at 1044 a.m. yesterday morning. Mm -hmm. Um, The offensive line looks broken. To me, I think the desperation you saw from the staff in making those changes last night, which we'll obviously get into, is a sign of how broken they feel like it is. And it's a quarterback that I am so shocked by the mistakes he's making. Like, Matt Ryan does not have Carson Wentz scar tissue, and yet he is making plays that even Wentz didn't make last year. Wentz's dumb plays were more Houdini-like trying to make the magic happen, mm-hmm. believing something was still alive. Ryan's plays are plays that when Decatur Central takes the field tonight, Eddie, your former Hawks, mm-hmm. if their quarterback throws the same pick that Matt Ryan just threw, their head coach is yelling at him. Yep. And those were the two interceptions last night. Um, we got so much to unpack on the podcast. One day I will tell Max Bowen if he asks about this game, and I will <laughs> say, your eyes will not be able to watch it. I don't want you to look at that. But just know that in a game of stink, the Colts stunk less. The Colts stunk less. I saw the ESPN stat, the first team to win a football game since 1973. 1973. With zero touchdowns, at least two picks, and at least six sacks.
1: The other team was the Cleveland Browns. That was the team in 73? Yeah. God, that's not great company. It was the first time since, what, 2007, 2008, um that there was a game where the winning team won without a touchdown or there wasn't a touchdown scored at all for the Colts in a win. Do you think anybody at ESPN
0: in charge of programming for the NFL is thinking, how do we take the Colts off Monday night football?
1: Um, We were actually talking about that. Do you think they are like, can we flex? Last night. Colts? Um, if anything, I could see them being flexed when they play Pittsburgh. Well, I, I- – That would be the game on Monday night that I think they would flex.
0: I I was joking a little bit. Can they really flex Monday night games now? I don't know. I thought thought that was not allowed, but yeah, I'm thinking, boy.
1: I'm sure the league will try and find some way.
0: This is the prime time, and Russell Wilson, I don't know if he was concussed late or what, but um, that was horrific. One thing I want to mention before we get into what I liked, what I didn't like, just kind of my overall big picture about the game. The tone afterwards. I loved what I was hearing from the Colts locker room. I did too. I thought it was extreme acknowledgement from the players of this standard is not acceptable. And in such a moment where you're on a short week craving a win, you've got to be so happy to finally have a weekend off. You haven't had a weekend off in quite a while. For them to acknowledge that, I'm like, man, that is a locker room filled with some high character guys. And, And at times I feel like, you know, and this could be sad, I think, for really any professional sports team. But I think at times, players just don't necessarily walk there right after a game. Um, the Colts did that. I mean, Quentin Nelson called it disgusting. Michael yeah. Pittman was like, yeah, we won, but now I'm going to feel real bad watching the film. And I thought you saw that from a lot of guys in that locker room. I did not get that same sentiment watching the Frank Reich press conference, nor hearing Jim Mercer talk with Wish TV after the game. Mm -hmm. Um, And I bring that up because you need to make sure that the rose-colored glasses that I heard from the head coach and owner after that game are not being worn after that plane landed in Indianapolis last night because that type of performance, this continued offensive abomination, is inexcusable. And honestly, Eddie, and this might sound a bit harsh... I think it's kind of a slap in the face at your fan base if you're going to sit there and act like all is good and well. And for Frank Reich not even to answer a question about the offensive performance when Zach Kiefer asked it, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. First off, that's very rare for for Frank. And I'm like, geez, how do you not sit there and be like, 12 points last night, 20 points in the last seven games or less. You've had two of those go to overtime. First time since 1993. The Colts franchise has gone through a stretch of seven straight games with 20 points or less. This gets back to a root that I've talked about with this organization that I'm worried about. When you refuse to kind of look in the mirror and acknowledge there are some problems, do it in a public manner. I think that's really important. I think it's important for a lot of people in life, but obviously they have much more of a public platform than you know, 99% of society does. I start to get this feeling, Eddie, and I know it's early October, but this is just my thoughts right now. And I think this podcast, we try to make sure that we live in a present, but also acknowledge when the future thoughts are kind of creeping in. The future thought right now in my mind is, this season will be brushed under the rug. This season will be viewed as the Pagano-Griggs in 2015 season. As the, okay, uh, that wasn't good, we're going to give you another chance. And if that includes the quarterback, if that includes the decision-makers, I think that's a very, very rose-colored approach to looking at this season. It's a very wishful thinking. Um, And I think the message that, again, the owner expressed afterwards, Frank Reich, that stuff just naturally seeps into your building. It naturally seeps into a level of acceptance. Everything's good. Everything's okay. Ursa's contract extensions. Everything's good without winning a division title. We're good. Yeah. Look at that. You know, we both got contracts for, you know, X amount of more years. Um, and in particular, I, I'm probably a bit disappointed in Jim Ursa more than anyone else in that you know, Jim's a very vocal guy on social media. Mm-hmm. He can be very vocal after games. And the only times we've heard him this season is after wins the Kansas City performance and then last night. You know, he tweeted up a storm leading into that Tennessee game.
1: You're talking about, like, just speaking to the media? Is that what you're referring to or, like, in general? Because he did talk after that Jacksonville game did on, on Twitter.
0: Okay, uh, yeah. I I don't think a lot. No. If he did. Um, I guess I'm more referring to the Tennessee game. Okay. In that you lead into that week with all these tweets, and hell, I think if it was up to him, he would hit send about 37 more times. <laughs> he All these tweets about the importance of that game – And it's a home game, so you have 60-some thousand season ticket members in the building, and you have that performance, and yet you say nothing on Twitter after that game, after that performance. Like, I feel like it's my mom watching me play high school golf, (laughs) and if I shot 36 in a nine-hole match or 42 in a nine-hole match, she would act like my name would be in the paper the next day no matter what. It's like, no, no, no. Let's... I think people respect when you come out in times of disappointment, poor performances, whatever, and you acknowledge it, and you admit that that's not the standard that you want. And I just don't feel that from this organization right now. I don't feel it from the top down. Um, I didn't feel it from Merce last night, and obviously after the Tennessee game, uh, there was none of it. And, and again, that's just a – I think it's a dangerous path to create. Um, it, it's probably just a lazy comparison, but – I I don't feel like you would have gotten that from, like, a Belichick after a game, a Mike Tomlin mm-hmm. after a game, you know, people like that. And who knows? Maybe in the immediate aftermath of a Thursday night game, that's all it was. But I think over the past couple of years, um, the bar has been lowered. I think it's really, really disappointing. Um, so that is a concern that I have. Again, love what the locker room had. Did not love what I saw from some of those leaders. So... You know, I I totally can acknowledge I might be overreacting to some of that. So I I acknowledge if people want to push back on that. But I think of an owner of an NFL team in a market like this, I think your fan base deserves some consistency in when you're going to chatter. And it shouldn't just be in the glorious moments. I think it should be in the moments that um, don't go as well. I think people tend to respect that.
1: And right now, that's not there. Uh, One question I have before we get into what you liked and didn't like from the game, Um, you mentioned that the possibility of this season getting brushed under the rug and the team and Reich and Ballard getting um, another chance. Could you make the argument though, even after last year, with the whole Carson Wentz experiment, that this year was the one more chance? And then if you add on, okay, this you have one more shot. You have one more shot. It's almost like you're saying, okay, we're gonna break up. We're gonna break up. But you never break up yeah
0: that's that's probably a good analogy i I just never felt like we got that from Ursay publicly. I don't know maybe he did deliver that behind closed doors. I don't think he did from everything that I have heard i i, I don't I don't think that that was there. You guys have heard me say endlessly the seat warmer analogy. Yep. Uh, I, I think that's super relevant, and I don't feel like that pressure is being applied. And I just think look at this Colts operation. Eddie went some natural. Back has been against the wall after losses, after multiple losses. A injuries. lot of people counting them out. Injuries, they deliver. You know, so if you naturally can create some of that, maybe you would deliver even more than you would as AFC South favorites in each game this season, and you haven't been able to win any of those three games. So I just wanted to get that out, um, and and, and kind of just kind of lay lay a little bit of the groundwork if you will of of where my mindset is exiting last night uh, but let's get into what I liked and what I what I didn't like.
1: Obviously uh, the defense is the part that you would like the most if you're any Colts fan or in, or in this case yourself.
0: You know Eddie I think an issue for the Colts this season through four weeks has been your star players have not lived up to the check they get in their locker room.
1: Hello DeForest Buckner.
0: Probably direct deposit now that I think about it. Hello DeForest Buckner. Um, I thought, hello, Kenny Moore, on a huge play that took a touchdown off the board. Gilmore probably doesn't deserve to be in the other categories, but still, I think you needed to see – you wanted to see Gilmore make plays that literally it's not just the ball's not thrown in my direction. The ball is thrown in my direction, and then I'm making a play that changes the game. Uh, Let's start up front. Buckner, he looked so limited to me on Sunday against Tennessee – Obviously, the elbow brace is massive. Everyone can see it. Nineteen snaps, I think it was. He didn't mm-hmm. record a tackle. That is very rare for a guy that you know has the amount of production that that he has. Eight tackles last night, two sacks, pass defense. I thought he was the reason Yanni Ngakwe got that sack. Yeah, his stunt I thought freed up Ngakwe for that sack. And you think about one of those sacks that he had on his own was on a second and goal, where. Yeah. You know, not to say Denver was ever going to find the end zone, but they sure as hell were a lot closer than the Colts were to finding the end zone. Who knows, you know, if if you don't make that play. And not only does Buckner record the sack on that second goal, then his mate next to him blocks the field goal Mm -hmm. on that same drive.
1: Big Grove.
0: Big Grove. Wings all weekend for Big Grove. Kitchen sink wings on deck for the Stewart household. Um, Huge block. I mentioned the Kenny Moore. Again, Gilmore, the interception, and the – pass broken up to obviously ice the game. Uh, we can get into Russell Wilson. I'm not sure what Wilson was thinking and and feeling like he had to give Cortland Sutton a chance. I'm like, you got Judy and Hamler, and you're staying away from Gilmore if you look on the other side of the field. Uh, clearly, uh, that, that comment's being discussed in Denver. When
1: I watched that replay, broadcast. it's already cut in here, but when I watched nope. that replay over and over, I don't think he was going... To Sutton. I think he was going to Hamler and never saw Sutton coming across because I just did I did his eyes ever go to the right side? I I guess that is true. I felt like I his eyes know. were always to the left. And I thought like last second he kind of shifted toward the middle of the field and then he just kinda of
0: threw it. I don't know. It was again the fact that we're discussing this shows you how poor of a play it was. I honestly thought the third and four, which Gilmore picked off was the more egregious error. Oh yes, because there was room to scramble there for a first down. You pretty much ice the game if you do that. Let alone like that's a ball that's got to be a jump ball in the back corner of the end zone, your guy or no guy. Mm-hmm. And instead, he thinks he can fit a ball in a, into a window. And if you kick the field goal there and you go up six, I, I know the Colts got somewhat close to getting a touchdown there, but I have no hope in the Colts getting in the end zone at that point.
1: One other player I want to mention defensively before you get into Alec Pierce uh, and Chase McLaughlin. I thought Rodney Thomas yes. was exceptional yep. last yeah. night.
0: I'm glad you said that. Um, I, I had him down as he doesn't qualify in the you know star not living up to paycheck category, uh, but he deserves a mention. And think about this, Eddie. He gets thrown in the fire in the middle of a game against Patrick Mahomes. And two weeks later, he's got Russell Wilson. Deep ball throwers, for sure. And outside of an official taking him out, that dude has been tremendous.
1: He would have had two, I think.
0: And just making plays, you know, keeping the top on the defense, you know, some of those cliches. I, I He looks like a really good athlete. Um, and good at center Yale, fielder. Yeah, and, and at Yale, you know, he wasn't primarily a safety. He bounced around to several different spots, a little linebacker, some corner. There were some questions about what he would play at this level. So a huge shout-out to Rodney Thomas the second for a seventh round pick to be doing that uh, big time I I thought he deserved the interception it was almost like fielding the punt I I thought he has played such good football that he deserved that Um, and, and lastly before we move on just getting back to the stars delivering for you no Leonard no Blackman you know no Taylor on offense short week you lose Hines on the third play of the game lose Hines early you lose Kelly in the first half these are games where I'd like to think guys like Buckner and Kenny and Gilmore say to themselves, this is why they brought me here. This is why they're paying me the amount of money. Granted, Kenny might say, that's not enough. <laughs> uh, but I'd I like to think that they feel that, they relish that, and they acted upon it. Um, as much as I think Gilmore deserves the game ball, I could make an argument Buckner deserves it more. I mean, he was just outstanding again playing with a big time brace on that elbow so the defensive stars I'm not ready to say this defense is like pencil it into top five top seven the entire season but you look back on these last three weeks really good with Mahomes in the rush plan really good last night again Denver aided you certainly in some areas but I thought pretty good last night Um, yes Henry gashed you a bit um, so that is one that I probably can't group in there but this unit has shown me more flashes of this could be a top 10 defense. Then obviously the offense, it can't
1: even be top 30. Um, I thought it was also important to note that Frank, Wright Kind of opened the curtain up a little bit on DeForest Buckner last night said it was a, that he's dealing with a very significant injury that um, would probably sit out some guys, but just Buck is going to go out there and play. And, He's allowed to play because of that huge-ass brace. Yep, and again, kudos to him. Toughness will never be questioned
0: with DeForest Buckner whatsoever. Um, Offensively, Alec Pierce is probably the only bright spot. Yeah, just tremendous by Pierce. And, you know, Eddie, part of being a rookie is, you know, how do you bounce back from adversity? And week one was not good. You know, it was a drop, and then unfortunately it was a concussion for him. But that drop in the end zone, I was curious, like, man, I like his demeanor. I feel like he had a lot of clutch moments in college, but naturally you just worry about how a kid's going to bounce back from that. And boy, has he ever. You watch him play, and this can be at Grand Park. And, you know, Pierce, I I feel fortunate that the Colts drafted him because I felt like I watched him enough in college to already have an idea of this. But you watch him play, and right away when you go to his bio, you're like, oh, that makes total sense. He comes (laughs) from a family of high-level athletes. Oh, yeah. It makes total sense. He's got a volleyball background. It makes total sense that this is a guy that was in the backyard probably every single minute of every single day playing some sort of sport with his two Division One college basketball brothers, or, again, his parents that were Division One athletes. There is just a natural athleticism, innate feel of ball catch. Yep. I mean, some of these Matt Ryan balls to him are like ducks, you know, Bradley Chubb got a hand on one of those last night. Yeah, I was about Halls to say that that, can yeah. easily be, be picked off by opposing players. And there's Pierce. Just seemingly not panicking, knowing where the ball's coming, and just, you know, making a play. Like if I want someone to catch Aaron Judge's next home run, I want Alec <laughs> Pierce in the outfield. I mean, like, I just feel like he's the guy that you trust so much. And the fact that you know Denver flirted with Patrick Sertan on him at some parts late in the game. I think sent a message. Um you know obviously there are questions about the other wideouts, you know Campbell, Doolin, Patman, etc. Strawn. But I said at the start of the year you're trying to hit on 16 or 17 with with Campbell and with Pierce and you really need to hit on both. Mhm. They haven't hit on Campbell of course or they you know busted on on Campbell so far. But Pierce it looks like you got a four with 17 or you got a five with 16 right now and again for him to come back from week one um, I think that kind of adds to it for me so um, great great work by Alec Pierce it's going to be needed Pittman's going to feel it all season long all season long
1: second consecutive game for Pitt without a catch in the second half he only had two targets gosh was it
0: again the second half goose egg man yeah I did think at the end of regulation, Pierce wasn't on the field. I tweeted out these snap counts. Eddie, this has got to change.
1: Pierce had five of the ten completions for Matt Ryan in the second half, in the second half specifically. uh, Ryan was 10 for 18 with 78 yards. Uh, Pierce had five targets, five catches, 51 yards.
0: Pittman plays every snap but one, 78 to 79. Campbell plays 73, Pierce 47. That Campbell Pierce has got to flip. I, I get it's a little bit of a different skill set, but I, no. Pierce just – and he's starting to show more of a route tree. Oh, yeah. Which were questions that you had as well.
1: So. I know he fumbled, but I thought he flashed a little bit of his, his speed over Agreed. the middle. Agreed. I that. will
0: say this about the fumbles. The Colts have had really good fumble luck this year. I mean, last night they fumbled four times, right, and got all four back?
1: Uh, I thought it was only like two or three. I didn't. I didn't realize it was four.
0: Ryan fumbled
1: – I know he fumbled twice. Twice, Pierce, recovered his own. Pierce.
0: What? And didn't Nelson have the other fumble recovery?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, Isaiah Rogers muffed a. Punt. Oh,
1: that's right. I forgot about Rogers muffing the punt. And
0: I go back to uh, remember Hines muffing that one week week one. I mean, that easily could have been um, ball on the ground there. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Fumbles lost this year, just four fumbles lost, and they fumbled it sixteen times. At some
1: point, it's got to. That's going to catch up, right?
0: Yeah, and that's again. This kind of adds to what I was saying earlier. Of like, you know, how do you feel moving forward? I'm like, you keep putting it on the turf. Other team's going to pounce on it. You know, a few of these times there, but still, uh, Alec Pierce, good work. Uh, Chase McLaughlin is the last thing that you said. Yeah. you liked. Oh yeah, yeah. I tweeted out late last night, Eddie. I thought win, loser, tie, they should have carried McLaughlin off the field like he was Rudy. <laughs> yeah. First off, I love how he looks. Doesn't he look like an old school kicker? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he's just not in the 2022 jersey collection. and Maybe Hot Rod had that one and you know they just can't get can't get that jersey back, but um the unelastic yeah, long just, sleeves like Eli Manning. God, he looks like a dad, which is great. Good for chase. Um 48, 51, 52, Eddie. I felt like they all were pretty much down the middle. Yes. And Matt Hawk. On the snap, Luke Rhodes had a very high snap on one of them. Even the the one in overtime, I think, was a tad high. Uh, Good work there by the punter. And, you know, I felt this way about Chase McLaughlin when he replaced Adam Vinatieri in 2019. I like his demeanor. And I know I've used that word now with Pierce and him. But I think at kicker, right or wrong, I had questions about the previous kicker and his demeanor. By no means is Chase McLaughlin some rare, talented kicker compared to some of the other NFL kickers. Like Clearly, there are other NFL kickers that are more talented than him. Mm -hmm. But I just like how he carries himself. And to make those three from those distances, dude, kicking has been such an issue for this franchise, particularly on longer kicks in recent years. Chase McLaughlin, boom, boom, boom. I guess another boom because he made the other one from 31. Uh, to send it into overtime, and obviously you saw Brandon McManus miss one with Grover Stewart getting his big paw up there for the block. Because that's something you're worried about on those longer kicks. Mm-hmm. You know, do you um, do you get those blocks? So we didn't focus on it too much out of Tennessee. And I need to go back and still watch that kick in Tennessee. Some people are saying it was a, the laces were in on that 51 yarder that hit Shapiro's deli. Uh, it was so far left. <laughs> The fact that you didn't attempt the 56 or 57-yarder, you know, was another kind of bad stain on your kicking effort last week. To come back and do that, hey, man, anytime you got to win ugly, your kicker's usually a
1: big part of it, Chase McLaughlin was. Um, Before we get into what you didn't like, uh, you've already kind of touched on it, but just want to go over a little bit of the snap counts from last night. Nick Cross uh, did not play a single snap defensively. He saw six special teams Snaps. It's um, even a low
0: special teams number.
1: Brandon Faison played 24 snaps defensively. Isaiah Rogers played 34. So. I want to
0: see that gap widen. I want to see more and more of Rogers.
1: Yep, and uh, Dio uh, played 40 last night, um, and of course, probably a large part of that was quitty Pay going down with that. What is to believe high ankle sprain, but we'll know more about uh, that later. Uh, today, you've already kind of touched upon this right at the out uh, the intro of the show or the pod, I should say. That what you didn't like was the offensive line and Matt Ryan's performance.
0: Yeah, wh- where should we start first?
1: You can start with the O line, because um, everything starts up in front in I, the I, trenches.
0: You know, I uh, I didn't realize they would use that clip, but they used that clip leading into the broadcast last night, right on Amazon. And I believe the phrase that I used was, the Colts' offense has been awful. Um, little did I know that over the next three hours, um, that statement that I made would have been a compliment about the Colts' offense. Calling them awful last night would be a compliment um, with where they started. Um, you said you want to go O-line first? Correct, yeah. Um, when did they even record that, by the way? So they recorded when in the studio? Was it Tuesday. Yeah, so it was the Hard Knocks crew NFL Films. It was the same crew with Hard Knocks, or a few of the similar guys, I should say. Great, great, great guys. They recruit they um, they record us for about a half hour, um, and they said that it could be part of the intro. So yeah, that was that was nice to see. Maddie was like, "Whoa, can you rewind that?" Um, wow, she was watching. She was before she fell asleep, which thankfully to her because her eyes are not bleeding like mine are still bleeding this morning. Um, she woke up and was like, 9 to 6? What in the world? And I'm like, yeah, be grateful you've been in REM sleep for the last two hours. <laughs> uh, okay, when I saw the O-line thing, because that was you know, right when we saw it. Amazon you know, popped yeah. it up there. It's like, this is going to be the new starting offensive line. And we had Jeff Saturday on, on our morning show today, and I threw this question to him. Eddie, I cannot recall an offensive line changing three starter, a healthy offensive line, mm-hmm. changing three starters in one week, let alone doing it in a week with no practice. Mm-hmm. It is one of the wilder moves I've ever seen. Um, part of me was like, wow, I kind of respect this. I'm like, this is clearly admitting that there are issues up front. This is quite the move. And then part of me thought, that is the most outrageous thing in the world. You're going <laughs> to get Matt Ryan killed. These guys... And let me harp on this for just a second. Eddie, you were at Grand Park for a few practices. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate to be there for all 16 practices. If you say the starting offense practices four different periods a day, typically, you know, those periods run 10 to 12 plays. And that would be what, 16 times four is 64? Mm -hmm. So 64 periods of training camp practice. I would say the line we saw to start last night, Ryman at left tackle, Nelson at left guard, Ryan Kelly at center, Braden Smith at right guard, Matt Pryor at right tackle. I would say we saw that group together for three of the 64 periods. So, yeah, it wasn't many. Do your math on that, the percentage. It's not like that was a group that was out there for two straight days. Uh, They explored with it for a week, they tried it for 12 periods. They barely tried it. it. It was not like. They ever were thinking to themselves, this could be an alternative line and we want to get used to. Because think about that. Those are some drastic moves. I mean, Ryman is becoming a starter at left tackle. Braden Smith is going to a position he has not played in five years. Matt Pryor, the guy that trained all offseason long to flip his hips and get used to the left side of the line, is now being asked to go to the right side of the line. I mean, those are three, like, big-time moves. And the Colts barely tried it in camp, so I'm like, what in the world then I started to do the math. Nelson, highest paid guard. Kelly, third highest paid center. Braden Smith would be the second highest paid guard. I mean, <laughs> can you imagine?
1: That's a lot of money.
0: That's a lot of money for an O line group that gave up six sacks. Um there's a whole lot to get to with O line. I'm gonna wait for a few of my thoughts with Twitter questions. Um again, it was I think Bernard Ryman just got whistled for another flag, if I'm not
1: not, I thought one of those holdings was a little egregious. I
0: thought Gilmore getting away with the hold on Sutton on the final play, yep. to me, made up for the poor whistle the Colts got early in the game. I thought the Colts got a couple poor whistles. Quick whistles, yeah. maybe, it sh- should be the better way to describe it. Ryman being a, a culprit on that. Um, so was San Diego. <laughs> I forgot the referees on that. Uh, 21 sacks. Now for Matt Ryan. Um, just a reminder, Andrew Luck was sacked 18 times in his entire season with Frank Reich. Philip Rivers was sacked 19 times in his entire season with Frank Reich. Matt mm. Ryan has been sacked 21 times. And Eddie, I don't believe we've reached Columbus Day on the mm. holiday calendar. We still have Halloween. We still have Christmas. We still have Kwanzaa. We still have Hanukkah. We still have New Year's. New Year's. We still have... I don't know, Martin Luther King Day, maybe, if the Colts are going to get on a run. Uh, that's a bit far-fetched by me, but yeah, you get where I'm coming from mm-hmm. on that. Um, wow, 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 wow about the O-line. It is broken. It's a 10-day break that you enter and you think to yourself, do you do like, hey, we're going to blow the canal next week, and if you come out with us, you can pick who starts at right guard. <laughs> <laughs> Does, should blue do his football toss he's like all right will fry's football if I make this you start at right guard this week like I'm trying to think of someone mentioned to me earlier today maybe Ursay can do an Abby's hat pick feel like we haven't had those in a while I wonder to if decide uh, the starting line
1: I wonder if Ursay Reich or Ballard or anybody talked to Andrew Whitworth last night seriously yeah exactly
0: did Joe Wrights make the trip can he gain some weight right um
1: I will say though I thought the line did block better in the run game
0: yeah you you were like around four yards per carry there
1: yeah 4.1 and if you just look at jackson and lindsey 24 carries 102 yards it's um
0: gosh it is it is just such an issue for this team right now it's wild to think that again october 7th the highest paid offensive line and i literally can pencil one guy into his starting job in week six that'd be quentin nelson at left guard um, we're going to get into O line combinations in Twitter questions, so let's save that. Um, some quick, that. Uh, quick thoughts on Matt Ryan though, because Eddie, I am confused. I am, um, I'm shaking my head quite often, watching him with some of these decisions. Is he under siege without question? But this is a 15 year vet. This is what the number three overall pick. This is a guy that's played football at an extraordinarily high level in the NFL. His recognition of pressure, down and distance, time and score, his general feel, there are some egregious mistakes Mm -hmm. in those areas. And I'm like, part of me wants to be like, he's got to get that corrected, right? But then part of me wants to be like, man, is this a byproduct of Father Time of you know fifteen years of like Atlanta's O line wasn't great. Hell, he's probably begging for Atlanta. I I feel like Matt Ryan's begging for Atlanta's O line, and the Colts are begging for Carson Wentz's decision making right now.
1: It's like the Spider Man meme. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. The second and nine interception, Eddie. I, is
1: that the one where you threw it in like quadruple coverage? Right. To is that ten for Pittman or Granson? Sure. Yeah. I can't remember.
0: One of them. Um, I think three more Denver defenders would have been in the way. That one was odd. I I, I was I watched the replay several times. I'm thinking, was he shocked he had that much time? He felt like naturally he's like, oh, shoot, I shouldn't be holding onto this ball anymore. I just got to get rid of it. Yeah. And then the second interception I thought was just, I thought it was the backbreaker. It was the third and 15. You know, you're back at what, like your own 20. Mm-hmm. And that ball was like an eight to 10 yard route. I mean, that ball is not going for a first down there. And at that point, you know, I get it's chaotic. I get it's an NFL game. It's a crazy environment. But Matt Ryan's been – he's done this 200-some times in his career. Matt Ryan's got to walk out of that huddle and think, all right, my defense is playing well. I think the score was 9-6 to six at the time. or Maybe it was 6-all. Like, I just need to be smart with it here. Third and 15, if we're not going to check it down, let's just get rid of it. And, again, he throws the ball over the middle – And that's the decision. The other play that I thought was just really, really not smart was there was a 3rd and 10 in the 4th quarter, Eddie. The Colts were probably right on like that 56-ish range. Which, you know, if you believe the NBC kick meter, Chase McLaughlin was, you know, good from 60. Mm -hmm. A lot last night. That's one of those where you probably do want to be checked down, Charlie. And you know, get it to fourth and five, and now Chase is kicking from 52. And on third and 10, he takes a sack when pre-snap, you felt that pressure pre-snap from the right side. Yeah, There's no, like, subtle movement in the pocket to the left side. And I think it's just one of those plays where you just got to get out of, either get out of the pocket or get that ball out of bounds in a obviously non-intentional grounding sort of throw there. And I don't think my bar is stupid high for Matt Ryan. I just expect better smarts than what he's displaying. Um, it, it, I'm at a loss of words, to be frank with you. And I sit there. <laughs> That's pun. Yeah, God, I didn't even mean it like that. I, I I sit here and think. You know what? I mean, at least you didn't give up a first round pick for him. But you also got a thirty five million dollar cap hit coming next year. Hmm. Seventh highest in the NFL mm-hmm. yeah, 11 fumbles 7 interceptions It is Turnover Crippling type plays That you just cannot Cannot have And I think it's a rem- it's a reminder Eddie of like Think back to the Kansas City game What we said after that game was This offensive line play cannot continue mm-hmm. Well it did And it has <laughs> against Tennessee, and then all of a sudden you, you make three huge starting lineup changes two weeks later. Well, I kind of feel the same way about Matt Ryan right now. Of You cannot have that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people are literally sending me Sam Ellinger, probably Ellinger more than Foles, literally sending me Sam Ellinger questions on if he should start for this football team right now, and it's October 7th and I'm not immediately laughing at those questions, is extremely alarming for the state of the quarterback position, not long-term. It, you guys know, I, I've always said, I've said this for several years now, the most important question that needs to be answered of this season is, who's your long-term quarterback? Last year you had a potential for that answer in Wentz. Obviously that did not happen. But the fact that in the short term, people are literally bringing up should Matt Ryan be benched, and I'm not immediately laughing at that, is a huge issue. Um, I, You know, I... Some nice resolve late. You know, he definitely had some throws that were good. I mean, there are some other throws that God bless Alex P- Alec Pierce. Mm-hmm. On them, Alex, Jim Mercy's videos rubbing off of me. God bless Alec Pierce, or else, you know, those balls are incomplete or picked off in those situations there. Um you know, it might sound harsh, but again, it's a thirty five million dollar cap hit, but I don't need to see Matt Ryan play quarterback again for the Colts.
1: Yeah, I can uh, I can get behind what you're saying. Uh, don't know if I you know fully agree with it because of the money aspect. Sure, of it, but and uh, I
0: and I know that it's very complicated, and you know it. Maybe that's a throwaway statement by me here on the pod, but that's just where I'm at right now. It's a question that I almost feel like has to
1: be asked weekly, and right now that's where I'm at. I get it. I mean. Colts fans are there with you. Um, I, I think this is a question that I wanted to ask you, but I saw it was a Twitter question, so I'm laying off of it. Uh, this is coming from David, and something that we have discussed multiple times already um, in previous podcasts is that uh, why does this feel? Why does this win feel like a loss? I will not lie; the offense looks decent when they go no huddle. So why don't we just stick with it? Keeps the defense on their heels since they can rarely substitute. Keeps the game running at our tempo and allows that slow, methodical movement down the field. Nevertheless, still think this win was more of a loss overall. Looking forward to the pod.
0: Yeah, you know, some quicker tempo stuff probably should be explored. Um, You know, as far as the feeling, again, it gets back to result and performance. The result, it keeps you relevant. And I know there's a section of the fan base, Eddie. I don't know how big it is right now, but there's certainly a section that says, "I, I If winning the AFC South means that it's status quo again next year, I don't want that to happen. The performance yesterday gives me no confidence or belief that this is a team that can do something in January. And when you look at a 2-2-1 football team right now, 2-2-1 should indicate average, right? Yeah. Two wins, two losses, and a tie. So you've played 20 quarters. Let's throw out the two overtime periods. You've played 20 quarters. The Colts have been the superior football team in how many of those quarters?
1: I would say nine. I would say that's very generous. I just look at that entire second half against Tennessee. Uh, or not, not even nine. Though. Not nine. Then I would say I would say six. Six is more realistic.
0: I'm struggling to maybe even get to say. I, I thought around four. And again, maybe I'm being too harsh. But the fourth quarter of Houston certainly pops into that. Um, was it the second quarter of Kansas City, third quarter of Kansas City? You know, one of those pops into that. I mean, again, superior football team. Last night, they were not the superior football team in any of those quarters. Certainly Jacksonville, they were not the superior football team in any of those quarters. And that's just where I struggled to find... A lot of confidence of repetitive play consistent play even if it's just a game and a half out of these first five I haven't felt that yet so I think David that is where it gets to be a loss not to mention like when you throw out the wild ESPN stat of the first time since 1973 a team wins this game like this it's just you realize that this is not sustainable not sustainable at all
1: Uh, one thing I would like to not really harp on, but throw in here with that question is, I feel like Frank Reich is a better play caller and is more creative when they go no huddle in the quicker tempo. I feel like he the decisions come a lot quicker to him, um, and I think the offense, I think just in general, flows a lot better. And you see the bigger plays in the run game. Uh, you get Paris Campbell involved in screen passes and in, in the underneath game. Um and then it allows you to get those other receivers, not just Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce and Paris Campbell, Vol like the tight ends, for example.
0: Very fair. Very fair.
1: Um, and Jonito, I say that right. Yes. Um, if we win, do you trust this team to win the division after they found a way to win without Taylor? Technically, we are in first place now.
0: Jacksonville, who do they got? Is it Jacksonville, Houston this weekend and Tennessee Commanders?
1: Uh Yes, I know the second part of that. I'm checking Jacksonville correct.
0: So I guess that's the opportunity for both those teams to win. But granted, if it's the AFC South, I would guess there's probably a better chance both those teams lose. Um, oh, gosh, people are like making memes of Frank Reich on like mail that they get, putting <laughs> zero
1: touchdowns next to it. <laughs>
0: um, okay, give that to me one more time. Um, Taylor, without Taylor, they won.
1: Yeah, Sorry. do you trust this team to win the division no, no. after we found a way to win without Taylor? I
0: don't trust them, but, Eddie, I don't trust Jacksonville or Tennessee either. I don't want to bet on any of them. I don't. I and wouldn't either. There's probably a reason why all their odds are in the plus, right? Plus 150, <laughs> plus 190, plus 200. Because like, Vegas doesn't know either. <laughs> literally, and that's rare to see that. So I I don't trust any of them, which, you know, for for as I said, there's a section of the fan base earlier that wants to— they would rather they take two steps back if it's going to mean significant changes. I also acknowledge there's a section of the fan base that says, screw that. I want to win the division. I want to I, I, this football team hasn't played a home playoff game in seven years. I want to feel that Fair. I, I can sit there and acknowledge that as well. So I understand that this is this is definitely a relevant question to some chunk of the fan base.
1: Uh, Mondo, I should be happy, but how can you be happy after watching almost five quarters of that? Yeah, man. You know, is the product boring?
0: Yeah, I think there's like an entertainment element to sports that right now the Colts lack that. I mean, seven straight games of 20 points or less. We're talking about the NFL. We're talking about Two of those seven games included extra time for overtime, Mm -hmm. Um, and we're talking about, not necessarily last night, but Eddie, we're talking about bad defenses in those games. I tweeted this out before the game yesterday. So this streak now has reached seven straight games of 20 points or less. That is the longest for the franchise since 93. To make matters worse, these are the defensive scoring rankings of the teams you played in that stretch. So just to get a general idea of I don't even want to know this. What the defenses were at point allowed wise entering that contest. I don't have Denver. Denver was what? Top 5 last night in scoring defense entering the game.
1: Yeah, I think they were like 4th.
0: Yeah. So Denver would obviously be the outlier. Before last night. 29, 19, 28, 27, 31, 26. Those were the defensive rankings of the teams you've played in this stretch. So take out the 19, which I believe is the Chiefs, if I'm not mistaken. That means five of the six teams you had played were in the basement of the NFL in scoring defense. That would be alarming to me if I were named Jim Irsay
1: or Chris Bowd, or Frank Reich, but especially Jim Irsay. Um Eric... Makes a good point here. How can the Colts' offensive line go to Arizona last year with all the injured players and players on the COVID list and move the ball up and down the field? And this season, they can't put two plays together with the O-line. Boy, Eric, it's so true.
0: You know, Eddie, I've thought about a lot about what the Colts should do. And this is kind of where I'm at. Short term, if I'm only thinking short term for the O-line, like, we're just trying to win next week. We're just trying to win, you know, here in 2022. I probably would try Dennis Kelly at left tackle. I know his experience in the NFL is mainly at right tackle. I would try that. He's got four practices this week. See if, you know, he can get up to speed. And obviously, you got to help him. You got to help him a little bit more than you've helped. I understand Reich's dilemma. He knows he needs to get guys out on route trees and stuff like that. But I think you got to help. Obviously, Nelson at left guard. Um, Eddie, I'd start Danny Pinter at center. I would bench Ryan Kelly. I know that that's probably not what they will do uh, financially. It's certainly not what you would want from a return on investment standpoint. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know. Maybe I'm putting too much stock into a couple quarters last night. But I would probably go with Pinter. Even last Kelly. year? Ryan Kelly has obviously had last year just an absolutely tragic and horrific life event happen to oh, him. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah
0: and i just feel like his play i know a lot of people have asked me have pointed to that as like kind of his downfall i i probably would point back to honestly ever since he signed the extension which was yeah if i'm not mistaken i think that was the covid year i think that was fall of 2020 i feel like since then he hasn't played <laughs> up to the level that he you got some water over there right yeah i do i do i apologize for that um And now it's just kind of, he was a top-20 pick. He went to Alabama. He's got some name recognition, so he gets voted the Pro Bowls. And Kirk Herbstreet says, one of the better centers in the league because Kirk doesn't have six days a week to get into his Colts prep. He's got a lot of college football on his mind. (laughs) Uh, And then I'd go right guard. I'd probably go Matt Pryor. I know he lost a little bit of weight in trying to make the transition to tackle. But I still think he's got a frame that I would like to see at guard, and then I'd leave Braden Smith at tackle. That would be short term. If I went long term,
1: probably all of it's the same, and then I'd leave Ryan at left tackle. Crazy part about Ryan Kelly is that you haven't—they haven't even reached the two more expensive parts on the contract. Um, This year making 9.75 mil. Next year it bumps up to 12.375. And the following year, 14.625. On the cap it right there.
0: Yeah, those are numbers that are going to take a long, hard look. We haven't seen many cap casualties in the Chris Ballard era, but that one is going to take some honest questions. One more thing I'll throw in the long term. Maybe you take Pryor out and you put Will Fries in at right guard. Now, you're really young with that group. That would be Ryman, Nelson, Pinter, Fries, and Braden Smith. But, gosh, it is just literally. You hand Chris Strausser. I mean, Chris Strausser was jumping for joy in the postgame locker room. I don't blame him. (laughs) Um, I mean, you literally hand him the depth chart, and you say, all right, Quentin Nelson and Sharpie at left guard, nobody else. Like, even Braden Smith at guard, man. It's like – I. I think you leave Brain Smith a tackle. I I get there's been – has Brayden Smith been – what's he paid? The sixth highest right tackle in the league, something like that? Yeah. Okay, maybe he's been the 13th best right tackle in the league this year. But it's not to the level to where – did I see Matt Pryor allowed the most pressures of any player in the NFL this season? Yep. Last night? Yep. Nine of them? Yeah. Yeah. He had one where Bradley – if I'm Bradley Chubb, I'd be like, dude, are you throwing the game? You didn't even block
1: me. Yeah, there were a couple of those last night. mm 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 Because uh, I saw Olé, it on right? yeah. I saw it on Twitter that somebody said, you remember that drill that you teach in peewee football, uh, players to follow the defensive players so they can learn on how to block without their hands? Well, <laughs> Matt probably just did that in a game. <laughs> uh, Amazon saw that in real life. The Amazon audience
0: saw that last night in real life a lot of amazon jokes on twitter last
1: night i move on to patrick i'm not sure how it's possible to have the most expensive yet the worst offensive line in the league it's quite baffling to me also i think part of the issue is matt ryan is holding on to the football a little too long and double tapping for what it seems like six to seven seconds is it worth at this point to try and trade for an offensive lineman Uh, i'm not sure what resources we have to do that but something has to change. Yeah,
0: I mean, trade, again, you know, in the back of your mind, guys, you got you always got to think about the future quarterback
1: and how you're going to acquire that guy. And you've got to think about the chemistry within the line itself, too. You
0: know, and if you win seven or eight games and you're drafting 14 or 15, something like that, it's going to take quite a lot to move up. I There is blame, Eddie, to be had on the offensive line. There is blame... That is on Matt Ryan. There's blame on some of the Colts' skill players. Um, you know, there is certainly a lot of that. Uh, it is just surprising to me. The Colts lack have lacked their support that they guaranteed Matt Ryan, and at the same time, Matt Ryan has lacked what the Colts felt like they were going to get between the years. I, I think to try and summarize it, that's where I'm at. And, look, I I, I want to credit him for some of the stuff late. You know, I feel like the Colts have moved it. What, field goal drive to win a, in Houston and a field goal drive last night to send in overtime? And then the touchdown, obviously. The and, and, touchdown in Houston. And Kansas City. Kansas City, yeah. Um, the, the, the two field goal drives last night. But then I'm also thinking to myself last night, I'm like, gosh, I mean, there were some good throws. But, man, there are also some throws that are like... You're playing 500 in the backyard. You know, you're throwing – pop. it's Alec Pierce's dad throwing pop flies to him, and luckily Alec Pierce can run it down, but
1: – You called it 500 going up? 500. We called it jackpot. Yeah, I, 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 I've heard that a lot, yeah. Uh, Justin, wow. How bad do the Colts need these 10 days off? Big question um, is Chris roster's offensive line changes – more an attempt to save his job, or was it more of an indictment on Chris Ballard's inability to address known gaps? Prior is an prior is an open door. Kudos to Ryman. Tough situation to be thrown into, especially after the injury. Fire Reich for the mental mistakes. Fire Ballard for the losses and the tie. Blow it up and reset. Like the Pacers, uh, fan base is drifting away while Ballard laughs at the issues and Ursay angrily hides behind his guitars
0: certainly a lot a lot there from Justin um I'll go back to what I said about training camp Eddie it's not like we even saw this sort of offensive line be explored for longer than a very brief period um so that is where I'm thinking to myself man was last night the best time to try that I, I, I don't know maybe there's an element of you had enough but I mean Element of surprise to even
1: try to throw (laughs) Denver off.
0: Element of surprise. Yeah, that's certainly one way to look at it. And I just sit here and think to myself, one of these. First off, I think they are, but one of these hits really going to add up on Matt Ryan. We saw him holding the wrist last night after late in that game. I mean, Russell Wilson's you know got a shoulder, and this you know when does that stuff start to add up with Ryan? I know his career would indicate he guts it out, but he is going to be hit. Right now, he's on pace, I think, for the most hits of his career. And that is
1: just, you can't have it. With all these disgusting wins, this is from Jake, the Colts will likely finish somewhere around 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. Disgusting wins. <laughs> Would the biggest disaster of the year be that Chris Ballard continues to believe this team is only one or two players that is not the quarterback position away? Yes. Yes.
0: I said this last year about the Pacers, Eddie. The Pacers must find, and I probably said this for the last two to three years about the Pacers, the Pacers must find and answer the question of is DeMontis Sabonis and or Miles Turner, that pairing, is that the future? And finally, they found the answer and acted upon the answer. For the Colts, the question is much more of the answer at quarterback is the most important thing on this franchise. Most important thing moving forward. Yeah, And you have to face... That question. You know, this year for the Pacers is less about wins and losses and more about, okay, how does Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin look?
1: You know, if you get me started on talking to the Pacers, this podcast may never end. <laughs> I-
0: <laughs> we will we'll hold off. Um But and that's that this question, Jake's question, I feel like is part why I was kind of fired up at the start of this podcast about what I heard from Frank Reich and Jim Mersey last night. And someone you know tweeted at me, and I, and I totally respect someone asked me. He goes, what do you want them to say? And I, and I thought to myself, you know what? I'd like to think that an owner who is very public uh-huh. and was very public leading into a Tennessee game would respect his fan base enough to realize we're all watching the same thing. And this current product is nowhere near the standard that should be acceptable, and frankly, it's embarrassing. People respect honesty. People respect truth. And I'd argue your season ticket members deserve it. And maybe it's wishful thinking. Maybe it's me living in a fairy tale. But I would like to think in the National Football League, from an owner that has been honest, you could get that. And the head coach... I understand. I'm i not asking for individual criticism. Frank Reich is never going to sniff that. Totally fine. But some acknowledgement of, Eddie, seven straight games of 20 points or less. I just read off the defensive rankings of those teams. It hasn't happened for your franchise since 93. Eddie, where were you in 93?
1: Not even a thought yet.
0: Thank you. I was at, where was I? Carmel Day Preschool, I think not even a cherry tree. Walkathon, Friday after lunch. Who? Like Again, it's just I I feel like the top lacks the accountability. And that's dangerous. And I know those are harsh words. I know they are. But it's worrisome. And to Jake's question, that's where you get at and like I think back to Tennessee, Eddie. Tennessee won a road playoff game with Mike Malarkey in 2017. Road playoff game. What'd they do? At Arrowhead, they won. They fired Mike Malarkey after that. Kansas City, they were making the playoffs pretty routinely with Alex Smith. You know, Baltimore, they could have held on to Flacco for a little bit longer, but no, no, no. They felt like we got to do something different. Mahomes in Kansas City. Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Like, there comes a point in time where you've got to look in the mirror as a franchise and realize, if we want the ceiling to get higher, we have got to do something differently. And I don't feel like this organization, under this current regime, has acknowledged that question in a truthful, honest manner. It's difficult to find. You guys have heard me say that endlessly. But if Jim Irsay's stated goal is two Super Bowls in a decade, I know a lot of people laugh at that. As a fan, I would love hearing that. I love hearing that. That's lofty. That's a big goal. Let's go get it. Yeah. The best way to try and do that is to find yourself a signal caller that's going to be here for a long time and gives you a chance to build around. And right now, that's absent.
1: I was going to say, and some accountability too. If you hold that standard, you want those two Super Bowls in a decade – then, uh, if I'm the owner, I would be a a little more critical on the guys below me that I'm paying to build my team.
0: And I think again, a little bit more critical last night, and realizing yeah. that that product, that performance, is not going to be there if you want to be, you know, a team that's playing into January.
1: Uh, two more questions pertaining to last night's game. Then we've got some questions. Um, prior to last night's game that we'll try to get into. Um, That one guy says, even on a short week, how can Frank Reich and Chris Strasser justify keeping Matt Pryor on the outside? All game long, he was being beat like a drum because he isn't quick enough to be a tackle. Don't feel like this win solved anything.
0: Yeah, man, for Pryor, it's like, is the interior the better? You know, he changed his body. I I think back to Pryor literally laughing and thinking to himself, Wait, what, left tackle? That's really where they want want me at? I mean, when a guy does that, does that not send a red flag of, like, jeez, I don't know how confident we should feel. Um, Handing Matt Pryor the left tackle job, and again, I think you saw last night with Ryman, Eddie in the offseason, I think I told Matt Taylor to look this up at some point, and I know it's impossible to find, but it's like look up a time a team has started a rookie third-round left tackle in week one, Without injury. Or, and this is the harder one to find, look up a time where someone with the, the resume of Matt Pryor has been handed the starting left tackle keys entering a season.
1: Well, the the one that comes to mind that is actually happening right now in Chicago, I think they're starting a fifth-round pick at left tackle.
0: He start week one without injury?
1: Correct. God, and you wonder why the Bears suck. Yeah. It's I, just
0: rare, you know. That position, you just have I mean, David Bakhtiari, I think you gotta go way back with, with Green Bay. You don't you just don't see it. And last night you saw six sacks allowed without Randy Gregory.
1: I'm trying to look up what pick David Bakhtiari was, because I totally forgot about him. Um okay. he was a fourth round yeah, pick. I was
0: gonna say four, yeah.
1: Uh last one pertaining to last night's game, this is from Colt Maniac. Ugly, ugly win. I don't know what kind of news or change will come during this mini-bye week, but I feel something has to happen to spark this team. What's the number one thing that you think could or should happen?
0: Well, this is, I think, something that is very good to bring up in that what do you do here this 10-day break? You get two breaks during the NFL season. Here's the first one. The next one comes in December. So we, yeah, this is your chance to do something. Now, what does that look like? First off, you got to find, you got to commit to some sort of O line combination. And on Monday, when you get back on the practice field, you get four days: Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, to drill that and try and grow it. Um, you know, I mentioned the O line group earlier. I'd like to see. Um, you know, just little things. Uptick and Pierce is playing time, uptick and Isaiah Rogers is playing time. Eddie, you're gonna have to develop Dio Dangbo defensive end very quickly. We'll see what Tyquan Lewis is at health wise. But, you know, with Quiddy Pay, high ankle sprain's been the early report on that. If he's gonna miss upwards of a month, maybe more, you gotta find something there because Pay was playing a lot of snaps for you.
1: I thought Dio I think Dio has played pretty well actually over the last you know 2 3 weeks he's kind of flashed on tape a little bit yeah
0: there's been there's been a few more flashes selfishly i'd like to see a little bit more consistency but i think there's been some flash which it is a step positively i just think in that ex-
1: i think that explosiveness out of from the achilles recovery is finally starting to come back and that's right. why
0: um I, it, it's a lot of self scouting it's a lot of internal Look in the mirror moments because again your bye week is what week thirteen or 14 you fourteen so if you're yeah. gonna make a move this is the time to do it um, the last thing I want to have happen is for the Colts to say we won that's all that matters when I hear people say that off of performances like last night I think to myself that is such a complacent attitude and mindset yeah it's why it's why this podcast does what I liked and what I didn't like win or lose always good and bad always good and bad from
1: performances so we'll see if the colts make some of those changes um this question uh, on the next couple will be questions that you received prior to the thursday night football game this one is from simpson looking at the schedule ahead obviously the colts have a proven capability of losing the next four to five games against the jaguars the Titans the Carson Wentz Commanders, and the Patriots. This may be the most personal and intimately wanted stretch of football by Jim Ursay that he has ever wanted to win. The teams we're all about to play have massive storylines, at least locally attached. If things continue with the status quo, which week would you set the over-under at before we start selling off parts and wash this thing out? Can we really be two, five, and one, heading into the Las Vegas game with no changes outside of right guard, place kicker, and strog's safety or small lineup changes. You
0: know, I tweeted this out before the game last night, Eddie. You look at the schedule, and last night included it, you're going to play, I think it's six straight games against teams with a record of 500 or worse. You know, you're always going to be in the AFC South mix, no matter what happens. I mean, frankly, even if you lose to Jacksonville and Tennessee – you know, record-wise, you aren't going to be... If you went into some tailspin, like the mathematically eliminated part would not happen for weeks. So, I, I... For Ursae to do something... Boy, I think it would have to be three straight losses. Jacksville, Tennessee, and Washington. Especially Washington. Washington's that one, man. That is the ex-boyfriend... Right there in front of you coming into your building, and if he – boy, if he gets it done, yeah. part of me wishes Carson Wentz were an ass just to kind of see him chirp. Yeah. You know? And I don't know. Maybe the competitor will come out in him just from an entertainment standpoint. I mean, I think I didn't love to even see it.
1: chirp a little bit in the off Yeah.
0: Like chirping for a nice Christian man. Yes. You know, like a subtle of like. Like you a know, subtweet. Yeah, sub Instagram here of like me on my tractor or something like that. I kind of forget what, what the language was. But purely from an entertainment value standpoint, because if I'm not mistaken, I think that's a 425 kick. So that's going to garner a little bit of a bigger audience than normal. Um, God, that'd be great. And you know what? Now that I think about it, Eddie Garrison, if I'm not mistaken, that's Tart Glenn Ring of Honor game. Yeah, That means one Jim Merce on the field Halftime <laughs> You know, If Carson wants to warm up that arm a little bit And get a little errant with a throw or two We could have some fireworks Inside of Lucas Oil Stadium, baby
1: <laughs> You're just on one today hey, is, boring product,
0: hey, boring product last night I'm trying to make things I was gonna say, uh, Spicy that's what,
1: a, that's what a couple hours of sleep will do yeah, to you right baby, there 2.15, that was the last I saw last night uh-huh, uh, This is from Casey We'll get a couple more in uh, is It way too early to start wondering what the Colts could get in return uh, via trade for Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman Jr., and any other player that could net some return because we are wasting them and don't likely or excuse me, it won't likely be good. Uh, before having to pay or extend them or is this type of maneuver really even possible or probable in the NFL we need a young mobile quarterback on the team that has a friendly rookie contract and rebuilt around boy, him boy do I agree with that last sentence so much I do too um,
0: Eddie you, you want your next quarterback to have a Michael Pittman right you yeah know, i, I I get this element of trade, but I also think, I mean, when's the trade deadline? Like October 30th, I feel like it is. You know, usually it's like that last week of October. Unless the Colts lose literally the next three, they're not selling. They're they're not. Now, should they? That's probably a different question, but um, I I think they will be, they will retain a lot of these pieces. But, you know, I I would always have open communication. Always. Always. Um, no matter if I was a good team or not, I always want to know the pulse of the league and where, where people are at, but um
1: I mean look at Buffalo for example. Josh Allen didn't have anybody really. God, he had Stephon Robert Woods Diggs and train, then get man. you go get Stephon Diggs. I mean New England's living that right now with Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. They don't really have a wide receiver for him to what throw. What Miami
0: through. did with Tua, what Philly did with AJ Brown. Yeah, you know, I mean those are you're sending a message to your young quarterback of we're gonna get you something. And I think a cult need to make sure that when that next quarterback is here, they've got something.
1: Vegas. You know? Andrew
0: having Reggie Wayne was
1: huge in twenty twelve. Uh Vegas with Adams. Yes. Although, you know, Derek Carr was already accomplished as it sure, was. Sure. Um this one is from John. We'll try and fit two in, including this one. Um, He said he's heard people saying that we can't run it back with Matt Ryan next year, although I get that it's a waste of time running it back and a loss caused. Aren't they handcuffed because they restructured his contract and now he has a $30 million or $35 million dead cap hit next year? right or wrong on that front, and I just want a tough time env- – I just have a tough time envisioning uh, that the Colts eat that or am yeah. I wrong with this assumption? No, it, John, you
0: are probably right. I mean, obviously, not every offseason can you find a team as desperate as Washington Commanders were last year. Um Yeah, I mean, how much are you willing to eat it if you are? I mean, would Matt Ryan retire? Like, would all these hits make him think twice about – I I I'm throwing stuff at the wall right now. Like yeah. I'm just literally talking out loud here. But thirty five million dollars on that cat pit. You got that money? <laughs> Eddie, I am in a drought, to say the least. Um is your
1: son able to type yet? Uh no, he's not he's able to poop. <laughs> that's good. Well, this question comes from Max, that's why I was asking. Uh, hey kevin while listening to the pod today i started thinking about reich's play calling seems to me that early in the season he play his plays are simple and basic is this his way of keeping more unique plays off film for the mid to late season would explain the constant slow starts on offense appreciate your hard work
0: yeah thank you for that max um great name I do think Max Bowen, I, I'm starting to get around on that name more and more. I'm like, oh, that's a nice name.
1: would you go with the middle name, if you want to share?
0: Uh, yeah, we went with Ma- Maxwell's real first name, um, and then Bradley, which is my father's name. Okay. Yeah, Maxwell Bradley Bowen. Um, I do think, to this question, at times, Frank is a little bit too tendency-based. And I understand there's a fine line in that, but I think Frank is a little bit too like analytical of like all the second and long runs. Yeah, I know. It's I was... like he wants to be so 50-50 in that area of, like, I just think there's an element of, like, I mean, when you get out on the field, I'm sure the opposing defense at the end of the day is just kind of like, I don't think they're thinking about endlessly every single number. There's an element of, like, you just got to play.
1: Last night I was tracking it for the first half, and then the second half got, got underway, and there were a lot of more highlights for me to cut, so I got away from it. But I want to say on the on their seven offensive drives that I had, Documented. On first down, they had passed five times. Second down, they had ran five times. Hmm. That was prior to the two minute offense that they had there to go into halftime.
0: Yeah. Like, I remember asking Frank this question during bye weeks, like from a self scouting standpoint, of like, you know, and I'm just throwing out an example here. He's probably not the best to use an example, but his name is popping in my head. But like, Hines. When Hines is on the field, you're doing this 71 percent of the time Frank will see that number and he'll want that number to get closer to 50 50 yeah it's like that I'm all for numbers but he seems to be a little bit too much like really worrisome about that I said this on Tuesday morning Eddie on our da- daily show and it didn't say it on the podcast like you watch the 49ers on Monday night that looks fun that looks innovative that looks creative. I watched the Colts' offense, and I just think it looks old. Yeah. Old. Yeah. Old in a lot of the plays and schemes, and old in, I would argue, a lot of the personnel and just kind of how they're built, whereas I just don't feel that with, like... And again, maybe San Francisco is an outlier, and I get it, San Francisco's numbers um, don't necessarily... Um, indicate super high-powered attack I'd argue the quarterback holds it back a little bit with that but I just like what I see with him
1: I'm going to skip over Matt's question and go to Logan's here Uh, Matt Jordan Andrew Joel we've got your questions Um, and Walter we'll try to get to these I assume on Monday's pod since we have a little more I
0: I think we're just gonna do Wednesday next week so I think this pod will kind of take us through um, and then we'll do one I don't know maybe we do one on
1: Tuesday but
0: Let's let's uh, let's shoot for Wednesday.
1: All right, this one is from Logan. He's got a pair of questions. Okay. First off, he says, "Love the pod and congratulations again um, on the birth of your son." Thank you, um, Logan. I appreciate that. He says, "I don't. Know, I'm not sure who asked this question, uh, but during Frank Reich's press conference after the Tennessee game, someone asked, why is this? Uh, why is it the same story that things keep on happening?'" Over the last five years, and Frank didn't really have an answer. I'm assuming this is pertaining to the slow starts at the beginning of the season. Um, If that's what he is telling Jim Mersey and company, why is he still our coach? Secondly, what's your best dad joke? Oh, my. This is where we need Matt Matt Taylor. Matt Taylor is the king
0: of dad jokes. Matt Taylor brought a book of dad jokes when he filled in. With me on the morning show one time, and uh, <laughs> he literally read one every break. Okay, what what was
1: the first one? Um, somebody asked after the game against Tennessee in Frank Reich's press conference about why the team is consistently the slow yeah yeah, and he didn't really have an answer for it.
0: Yeah, and you know, part of me understands that it's probably difficult necessarily to find an answer, um, but I. I that's another one where I get to and I'm like, okay, as the head coach of the football team, that would be a bit of alarming to me on the consistency in starting off slow. I mean, how we saw it yesterday. Was yesterday I think it's have the Colts started the ball every game this season?
1: Um no. Remember? Um maybe.
0: I thought that was true. Um was it three and out yesterday? Yeah, didn't Hines drop the first ball?
1: Yeah, it was three and out.
0: Yeah, three and out. Just just constantly.
1: Constantly. Um,
0: So, yeah. Three and out. Uh, My best dad joke. Well, how about this one? Colts related. Me yelling at Rosie. Go to bed. It's pasture bedtime. (laughs) That's bad. (laughs) Is that worse than the Colts' offense?
1: Oh my! Tie. Yeah. Uh, three three and outs, an in interception. Um, and then I'm trying to maybe maybe yeah four three and outs and in interception first drive of every game for the Colts.
0: I'm so embarrassed. I ended the pod with that joke.
1: That's why I just skipped over it.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Eddie Garrison right there. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great weekend. Happy fall. Fall weather is here. It's alive and well in Indianapolis. Enjoy Sunday. The Colts won. Um, There are questions. Big picture. But the Colts did win. Um, If it makes you cry, try and laugh. And next week is massive. Absolutely. Massive. Go Pacers. Uh, Pacers, yeah. Nice work. Preseason opener. I've got a large stake in their winning of 30 games this season. We'll see if I'm in idiot for that. Yeah, I'm going 30. Very good odds for 30 wins. Oh, I'm sure. We'll discuss off air. He's Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.